you'll stand with me all over the room today, I have a word from the Lord that uh, I want to share with you. The Lord began uh, laying this message on my heart, putting it in my spirit earlier this past week, very early on in the week. And uh, the Lord began to deal with me about people who may feel like they're fighting a battle alone uh, or feel like uh, they're struggling all alone. And I want to encourage you today, if you feel like giving up today, this word is for you. If the enemy is trying his best to get you to quit, can I tell you this morning that that only means that you are so close to something that God has for you. So close to the victory. So this is not the time to quit. Can I get an amen? Look at the person next to you today and tell them, this is not the time to quit. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, I'm going to be reading verses 8 through 11 in the New King James Version. Paul said, For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble, everybody say trouble, that came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. Is anybody glad that not only is God a past deliverer, but he's a deliverer of right now? He will still deliver us. You also, watch this, you also helping together in prayer for us that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the gift granted to us through many I want to preach to you this morning a message I've simply titled not quitting is winning not quitting is winning if you will one more time pray with me and for me today father thank you for your precious people that have assembled together here today to worship you Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, now comes the time that we turn our hearts and our minds and our attention to your word. And I pray, Lord, that today you would remove every hindrance and distraction that would prohibit us from hearing and receiving the word of the Lord today. I pray, God, that you would anoint these lips of clay, that I wouldn't even speak my words, but that it would be your word that would come forth today and that your word would come forth in the power and the demonstration of your spirit. Anoint every ear to hear, every heart to receive what you would speak to us today, God, and we will give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. Let somebody in this house and watching online be encouraged today to not give up, to not give in the joy that the weeping may be enduring for the night, but there is joy coming in the morning. Victory is on the way, and we give you praise for that today, Lord. Let us realize that not quitting is winning. We give you the honor in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Elizabeth. Paul was saying uh, in this passage of Scripture, he said, I don't want you to be unaware of this. He said, we were on a divine commission from the Lord. And he said, while we were on this divine commission from the Lord, we were to bring life and liberty to people who needed to know there is a Savior. The same kind of work that's going on in and through this church today. And he said, when we were involved in this, while we were trying to let people know that there is a Savior, let people know that they can be set free, while we were involved in this, trouble, everybody say trouble. Trouble came against us so suddenly and powerfully that we could not stand against it. 
The NIV translation of that same verse of Scripture in verse 8 said it this way. It said, under great pressure, in verse 8, far beyond our ability to endure. That's what the NIV said. I read you the, uh, oh, he's got the NIV on the screen now. So that we despaired of life itself. Notice that. We were under great pressure. Anybody know what pressure is? Far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired of life itself. One of my favorite preachers is Pastor Lorraine Livingston. He pastors one of the largest churches of God uh, in the country. They run about 4,500 people on Sunday mornings in, in two services. And uh, I was actually at Pastor Tommy Bates' church hearing him preach a message uh, several years back in Pastor Tom's uh, camp meeting. And when Pastor Livingston was preaching, he's, he's an asthmatic. And he talked about the time that he went to Michigan with some, some friends. Uh, and he was on the, the Great Lakes of Michigan. And he said that they went scuba diving. He let some people talk him into going scuba diving. And while they were uh, getting their instruction about scuba diving, he said the instructor, he, first of all, he, uh, Pastor Livingston was just kind of grossed out by some of the things he had to do because he had to put in a mouthpiece that he knew somebody else had had in their mouth. So he said, I was gagging and I was worried about all that. He said, then they put a lead vest on me to weight me down. Then they strapped the oxygen tanks on my back and crammed the mouthpiece in my mouth. And he gave us some instructions and I heard most of the instructions. And he said, but then the last thing he said to me, I did not hear. He looked at me and he said, he said, I had all the gear on and I couldn't hear well. And he said, it just looked like he moved his mouth and I didn't know what he said. And he said, the next thing I knew, he pushed me and I went plump fell over the boat, went into the water, and I began to go down, 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 down. He said, now I was hooked to oxygen, and, and I could breathe, but he said, I began to panic. Because the deeper I went, he said, I began to feel such tremendous pressure. There was such a difficulty to be able to breathe. I began to panic. And he said, I began to just flap my arms and do everything. And I thought, I'm going to drown in the bottom of this lake. He said, I just kept going deeper, kept going deeper. And the only thing I knew to do, he said, I never took a breath of the oxygen that was available to me. The only thing I knew to do was I slung off the, the vest that was weighing me down. I slung off the oxygen tank and the gear and he said so nothing was weighting me down anymore and I just began to float to the surface. He said I never thought I would make it to the surface alive. By the time I finally got to the surface he said I just opened my mouth and <gasps> gasped for air really big and he said the instructor was standing there. He said I was literally in the same spot almost that he pushed me off the boat when I came back to the top and the instructor looked at me, looked at him and said did you not hear what I said? He said no. What did you say? He said, the deeper you go, the greater the pressure. He said, I was unaware of what was happening to me and my surroundings because I didn't hear the instruction that the deeper I go, the greater the pressure. This may not be a word that wants to make everybody shout this morning, but let me tell you this, it's a word you need to hear nonetheless. The deeper you go in Jesus, the greater the pressure will be around you. But it's good that you know that first because I don't know if you realize it or not, but we're still, no matter how great the pressure, we're still connected to the oxygen tank this morning. No matter what the enemy does, all we have to do is breathe in a breath of the fresh air that God's made available to us. 
And in the NIV, it said, under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired of life itself. That means the opposition was stronger than any resistance they could find within themselves. It was an opposition so strong that they didn't know how to handle it, which eventually brought them to a point where dying looked better than living. God help us. There's people in the body of Christ that get to the point where, to them, dying looks better than living. God help us. Maybe some of you, we talked about that last week. It just happened in our community. Maybe some of you in this room today have been there and you've reached that place before. But thank God you're still here today. Many people today can probably testify when I first came to Jesus. How many remember what it was like when you first got saved? When I first came to Jesus, I mean, if you remember that, everything was wonderful. And there was such optimism Things around you seemed like they were changing for the better, and the future appeared to be so full of wonderful things. It looked just so promising. And you had a new heart, and you had a new mind, and you had a new spirit. But suddenly, somebody say suddenly. Suddenly, out of nowhere, without warning, things begin to change. You hit that day when circumstances changed, and all of a sudden there was threatening voices around you, and maybe even within you. Sometimes we have to be careful, not just about the voices around us, but the voices within us. And you grew afraid to go on, fearful of the situation. Sudden opposition. Now listen, it is not uncommon to suddenly and unexplainably face violent opposition when you are trying your best to serve the Lord. It's not uncommon. To be honest, we really should expect it. I got one, that's right. We really should expect it. Peter taught us that we shouldn't even think that it's strange when these fiery trials come amongst us. See, but the important thing to remember this morning is that in reality... None of that, no matter what's going on around you, can conquer you no matter how bad it looks. It's like walking through an alley, a dark alley that's being surrounded by vicious junkyard dogs. But yet their chains stop them right at the length of their lunge when they try to go after you. How many knows what I'm talking about? It's like sometimes the ocean, out in the middle of the ocean, the waves will be tossing huge waves to and fro. But when they get to the shore, there's a hand of God that reaches down to the ocean and says, you can't come any farther than this. Are you with me this morning? If it could, it'd be an ongoing tsunami every day of our life. But I'm thankful for the hand of God that reaches down to protect God's children and says, you cannot come any farther than this. See, the devil's whole tactic is to convince you that the evil that's around you is going to overpower you. But the reality is that he has no power to stop the work of God in your life because he was defeated on Calvary. His reign, the law of sin and death, and all the power that he had was canceled at the cross. There's nothing that he can do except stand on the shores and watch the people of God go through the seas of impossibility into every single promise that's written for you and I in this book. 
Did you know this book is full of promises? But the only potential power that the enemy has in your life is when you fall into agreement with him. When you begin to embrace his threats. And you begin to tell yourself, I don't know how we're going to get through this one. I don't, it doesn't look like these circumstances are ever going to change. I don't know how we're going to make it through this. I don't think we can make it through this. But see, Paul, in contrast, I want you to look at the words of Paul in Romans chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. Paul said, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He went on to say, he who did not spare his son but delivered him up for for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Can I tell you this morning, those words on the screen. Only a person who has come through everything that we must face in this life could write such words like that. Paul had to get to the point of understanding that the things around him may seem like they were more powerful than he could ever hope to be. And it might have even seemed at times as if his only recourse was quitting. But thank God he finally realized that his only help was in God. Let's look at verses 36 through 39. He said, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, not what's going on today, not what might happen tomorrow, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature. There is nothing that is able to separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. I'm persuaded. But see, here's the kicker. It's easy to be persuaded when you're on the mountaintop. It's easy to quote scripture when you're on cloud nine. But being persuaded when you're down in the valley and you're going through it, that's where you find the difference. Listen, I'm thankful for a season of miracles. This main passage of scripture that I read to you, Paul said, I didn't want you to be unaware of what happened to us while we were in Asia. But I want to tell you about some other things. I don't want you all to not realize the same place we're in in scripture. I want you to be aware of some of the other things that did happen. While they were in Asia. Yeah, they went through trouble. But look at Acts chapter 19 verses 5 and 6. And then we'll drop down and read verses 10 and 11. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. And they spoke with tongues and prophesied. So people were getting saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. Verse 10. And this continued for two years. Anybody like me and say, I want to be part of that revival. Mm Mm-hmm. So that all who dwelt in Asia, see it's where he was, heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both the Jews and the Greeks. For at least two years in Ephesus, Paul had experienced unimpeded preaching and miracles, salvations, baptisms in the Holy Spirit. People were receiving the word of God in unprecedented measure. And scripture says that even handkerchiefs were taken from Paul and placed on people who were deathly ill and they were healed. 
If you want to know why we do prayer cloths around here, that's why we do that. That's where it comes from in the Word. They took handkerchiefs and they placed them on people who were sick. We take prayer cloths, we anoint them, and give them to people who are sick or people that are just going through it. So if you need a prayer cloth today, get one before you leave. Now let's go down and read verses 18 and 19 in the same chapter. And many who had believed came confessing and telling their deeds. Also many of those who practiced magic or witchcraft brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted up the value of them and it totaled 50. 50,000 pieces of silver. Listen, there was no religious deception here. Let me say that again. There was no religious deception here. The people were honest with God and transparent with God. And they put away their evil practices. They didn't deny them. They didn't hide them. They put them away. And they came to an understanding of what Jesus had done on the cross the depth of forgiveness that was bought there. And it was an incredible revival like we can't imagine. But also it's much like in today's time what we've literally been seeing around here. I know today's vacation season. we got tons of volunteers and staff that are on vacation and gone today. But can I tell you, I know the crowd is down today. But can I just give the devil a black eye this morning? Is that all right? Does anybody even know what that means anymore? We don't, we don't even oppose him most of the time anymore. Hello. Let alone punch him as hard as we can right in the face. Have you ever wanted to punch somebody as hard as you can right in the face? You can't do that with people. But you can do that with the devil. So let me give the devil a black eye this morning. Today's the first Sunday in June. We just entered into the sixth month of the year. And we have already this year seen in this church 29 people saved. 32 people rededicate their life to Jesus. 27 people have been baptized in water. And 16 people have been baptized in the Holy Ghost. Thank God. I said thank God. That gives the devil a black eye. But in today's time, that, listen, in the 10-year history of this church, that's unprecedented results from what we have seen in the past. And not that numbers necessarily mean anything, but I've never seen a time. We are six months into the year. There are 71 people that have taken membership with this church since January the 1st. 71. God is building His church. But can I tell you this morning, don't think for one second that we're going to experience results like that and not face a suddenly attack from the enemy. And I think most of us would have been happy to live in that time with Paul because, like I said, those are unprecedented results for us in this day and time. But in that day and time, they had unprecedented results and they were literally seeing thousands saved. And added to the church at a time. It was major revival. And the things that Paul and those who were ministering with him saw. But it soon became evident that it was time to move on. I'm going to move quickly. Verses 21 and 22. When these things were accomplished, Paul pur purposed in the spirit. When he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia to go to Jerusalem saying, After I've been there, I must also see Rome. So he sent into Macedonia two of those who ministered to him, Timothy and Erastus. But he, he himself stayed in Asia. For a time. After sending Timothy and Erastus on, I believe Paul just took a moment. He said he stayed there for a time. I believe he just 
took a moment and a time to reflect, to relax and reflect on all the things the Lord had done. Have you ever done that? Can I tell you this afternoon now that when the enemy comes and attacks you, if you'll just take a moment and remember all of the things that God has done for you. And I believe that's what Paul was doing. He was sitting back and he was reminding himself of all the miracles that had taken place just for the moment. And can I tell you that the very next day, the very next day, and I put this in my notes this way and I took it out and then I put it back in because I can't think of any other way to say it. So here's just the reality of it. Awesome revival was going on. He was just sitting back and relaxing and just enjoying what God was doing. And the very next day, he didn't see it coming, but all hell broke loose. Somebody said, whoa, preacher, can't believe you said that. Listen, don't you think for one second that sometimes all the powers of hell are not unleashed against you? That's the enemy's plan. And that's exactly what happened. And most commentators, I read a lot of commentary on this, and most commentators agree that the season that Paul was referring to, that's what he was talking about when he spoke these words, burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. And do you know what happened? Here's what had happened. A local silversmith began to stir up the other idol makers whose trade was in danger due to Paul's preaching. And they all became infuriated that their profit margin was being affected. And it grew into an uproar in the arena. And the people, the Bible said the people shouted for two hours straight, Great is the Diana of the Ephesians. Now really, you don't, I don't have to get into all the specifics of what that is other than it was they were in the midst of a bunch of racket, a roar of voices that were trying to shout down the Word of God, trying to silence the church of God, trying to claim that something else was greater than the God that the people were serving. And can I tell you this afternoon that that is a tactic of the devil. He operates that same way today. He was trying to convince Paul and the people who were following him that there was a power greater than the God that they were walking with or maybe they weren't even walking with the right God. And this uproar lasted for quite some time and Paul was right in the middle of it. And we don't have all the details, but we know that it was violent and that society suddenly turned. It went from wonderful revival to a hellacious attack overnight. And you know why? The turning point seemed to have been when the God of this world was affected. Mm -hmm. When their God of gold was touched. That's what happened in this story. Their income and their prosperity was threatened. And it was at that moment that the revival turned inward and the other people turned against the believers. And can I tell you, similarly, you and I will experience or maybe already are experiencing opposition from a kingdom that is being overthrown because of the presence of God in us. We may know victory and enjoy victory for a season, but you got to remember and keep in mind that we are all standing for a God in a world that is against the ways of God. A world filled with people who 
in their own ignorance are opposing their own salvation. Some of you even go to a workplace every day where those around you will tolerate the fact that you're a Christian. And some might even be interested in things you have to say. That is until you say something they disagree with. Hello. Mm -hmm. Or until you uphold something the Word says that they in their belief have decided to discard. See, this world will profess tolerance toward us until their sense of well-being comes into question. Then all of a sudden, we're bigots and haters. You ever notice that? Until they realize that the church, I'm not talking about, there's a lot of places having church. Can I get a witness? But until the church is they realize that the church of God is a force in this world, all of a sudden you'll find yourself in the middle of a lot of shouting voices that are shouting out things, great is this or greater is that. Here's one of them for you. Great is the modern day woke church. Uh Uh-huh. Y'all going to get quiet on me now. There are churches today, don't take my word for it, go home and get on Google, that's all you got to do. What the Bible don't tell you, Google will. Go home and get on Google. This makes me sick to my stomach, but it's the reality. There are churches across this nation today. It began today, and it will go on for a month. That they are displaying symbols outside their building that was meant to represent the promises of God. Can I get a witness? Hanging it on their buildings and celebrating what everybody calls Pride Month. Celebrating all of those who partake in what Pride Month is all about. But can I tell you something today? The church doesn't need to be woke. But the church does need to wake up. I said the church does need to wake up. If God's word says it's not okay, honey, I love you. I do love you. But I don't love you enough to lie to you. If God's word says it's not okay, it's not okay. And what the church needs to do is wake up. We don't need to be woke. Woke challenges everything. And let me tell you, parents, I didn't say this at 845. Maybe we've got more kids here at 11. I don't know. I'm sure we do. We've got more people here at 11. But anyway, let me tell you something. You better be careful about what is influencing your children. You better take a stand for what you believe in regardless of what the world system says or the school system says. Can I get a witness? Angie and I were talking this week about a young person that has nothing to do with this church. People we've known for years don't even live in this state anymore. But a young person that is messed up. And I said, what do you expect when they live in a home that is messed up? But i got to move on and finish this up. I don't know what you might be facing today. Or what kind of voice is coming against you. But I do know that you don't have to be overcome by it. You're not walking in a kingdom that were made by the hands of men. But you're a part of a kingdom that was fashioned by the hand of God himself. 
And after the apostles witnessed Jesus feed, I don't know if you realize this or not, but they witnessed Jesus feed the multitudes with the, you know, the fishes and the bread. Immediately after, if, you, if you've not read the story and carried on and put them together, you ought to do that. Because immediately after they witnessed such amazing miracles, you know what happened next? They immediately got into a boat and was headed across to the other side. And suddenly, say suddenly, a violent storm arose. That's what the word said. Suddenly a violent storm arose and it seemed that the elements themselves were trying to throw off the testimony of what Jesus had done. Why did that storm come? Can I tell you? It was influenced by the powers of the enemy himself. It was a plea and an attempt to challenge the disciples' thinking and make them forget what they had just witnessed God do. And then get in the boat, and before you know it, the enemy's, where's your God now? Anybody ever been there? You just witnessed some of the greatest miracles in your life, and then all of a sudden, boom, something happens. Where is your God now? Listen, you know why he does that? He knows that the free gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ is something that he's got to oppose with everything he has. I wish that Christians worked as hard as the devil's imps do. The storm was not a chance in the apostles' day, and can I tell you, the same kind of storm will come against every believer today. Everybody in this room has either been through a storm, you're in the middle of a storm right now, or you're getting ready to go through a storm. And if you find yourself losing strength in a storm, you're just a partaker of what many other people before you have gone through. If you'll search the scriptures, if you'll read this book, you'll find that many of the people who walked so closely with God in this book ended up facing all kinds of opposition. Daniel was thrown into a den of lions. Elijah had to flee from a wicked king. King David, who was a mighty king in Israel, had a great anointing on his life, and he won many victories in battle. Yet suddenly, he found himself completely alone. The only people who came near him were those who were against him. Anybody ever feel that way? But he did what you and I need to do in those seasons. And David had even, David had even, I love the stories. Because David had even miserably failed the Lord at one point in his life. But you know what David did? He began to think about the things that God had done. And he encouraged himself in the Lord. David also went to the closet of prayer. And God showed him a way through. That's why he wrote, yay, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Do you know if you study that passage of scripture, do you know what the valley of the shadow of death is? The Bible said that's walking through hell. That's exactly what the valley of the shadow of death represents. Sheol, which is hell. David said, though I walk through hell, I'm not going to fear any evil. Because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And God was saying, I'm going to take you through this situation. I'm going to show you where your strength is. And with his few men, David pursued what was lost. And although the odds were overwhelmingly against him, he did not quit. Did you hear me this morning? He did not quit. And because he did not quit, everything was restored. And David concluded, I won't get through this by reasoning or by figuring out a way around it. I'll only get through this the same way I started. That's by the supernatural, almighty power of God. So I came to tell somebody this morning, and I'm almost finished. When you get to the end of your battle, you're going to have a song. But that song is not going to be about how you figured it out. 
that song will be, Jesus brought me through it. Jesus saved me. Jesus healed me. When I couldn't walk, Jesus carried me. When I could walk, Jesus walked with me. Jesus defeated my enemies. And one of these days it's going to be Jesus took me over the finish line. See, there is no roaring voice. There is no prison door that can hold you. You are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. And I want to tell you something else today. No plan of hell formed against you can prosper. I like the way Isaiah said it in the Amplified Bible. Isaiah chapter 54 and verse 17. Watch this. But no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against you in judgment, you shall show to be in the wrong. This peace, this righteousness, this security, this triumph over opposition is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Those in whom the ideal servant of the Lord is reproduced. This is the righteousness or the vindication which they obtain from me. That, that This is that which I impart to them as their justification, says the Lord. Can I tell you when you pray, you ought to quote the word. You ought to quote the word over your life, over yourself. I like this one too. Matthew chapter 5 verses 11 and 12. Watch this. God blesses who? You. When people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. You know what Jesus said? Don't worry. Be happy. Not just be happy, be very glad. Do any of us really do that most of the time? I mean, like, you're talking about me like I'm a dog. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm so happy. Running me down, lying on me. Oh, I'm so happy. You might do that. Because if you do, I want you to tell me how. But I have put it into practice this week. Some of y'all know, and if you don't, this is all I'm going to say about it. It's all I said at 8.45. I had a suddenly this week, an attack straight from the pits of hell that came out against me. Let me just say this. Don't think for one second that people won't put quotation marks around something you didn't say and throw it out there and act like you did. When, they can't, when the devil can't get you to talk his talk, he'll just lie on you. That's what he'll do. But you gotta, you got to be careful how you handle it. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you're my followers, be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. You are a child of God. I am a child of God. And Jesus said he'd take us to the other side. So you know what you need to do? You need to hold your head back high. And you need to be looking for that blessing because it's coming. I want you to look again at Paul's words in 2 Corinthians 1, 10, and 11. 
Paul said, he will continue to deliver us. He will rescue us because you're helping us by praying for us. As a result, many will give thanks to God because so many people's prayers for our safety have been answered. Paul acknowledged that God would rescue them because people prayed. And as a result, many would give thanks to God. I believe one of the greatest victories we'll ever know in our time is simply the awareness that we are not walking this journey alone. You are not walking this journey alone. Listen, it's not just about me. It's not just about you. I was, thank God, smart enough to recognize that this week. You know what it's about? It's about this. It's about trying to impact what's going on in the kingdom. But I came to tell you this morning, you don't have to give place to the devil. This book promises me that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And if you'll let him, God will fight your battles. But aren't we guilty most of the time, if we're being honest, we spend so much time praying for ourselves, don't we? Lord, help me. Lord, bless me. Lord, keep me. Or my favorite, Lord, why me? Right? But the Lord says, would you just let me expand your thinking just a little bit? As you pray for others that are presently going through a season in their life, when God brings them through that season, then they'll pray for you when your time comes. Then there'll be great rejoicing and we'll see what the word said. Many will give thanks to God. This is how they'll know that we belong to him. If we love each other and keep his commandments. Don't ever forget that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But we wrestle against principalities and powers. Spiritual wickedness in high places. But greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. If they'll come to the music this morning. You're not going through whatever you may be facing alone. We'll get through because we pray together and because we don't quit. We'll get through because we'll move together as a one body with nobody left behind. That was the cry of Moses in Exodus chapter 10. I didn't give them these scriptures, but Moses said, We'll go with our young and our old, with our sons and our daughters, with our flocks and our herds. We will go, for we must hold a feast to the Lord. Our livestock also shall go with us, not a hoof shall be left behind. Nobody, no person, no thing will be left behind. We must take some of them to serve the Lord our God. And even we do not know with what we must serve the Lord until we get there. Listen, as the church, the bride of Christ, you are going to make it. You are going to make it. And one of these days, and I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to it. One of these days, we're going to get out of here. We're going to the other side. We're going home. And the mere fact... That you don't quit. I'm talking to somebody this morning. The mere fact that you don't give up and throw in the towel will be the determining factor that you will win. Not quitting is winning. If you stand with me all over the room, I'm going to close with a passage of Scripture. Book of Matthew chapter 24, beginning with verse 3. Later Jesus said on the Mount of Olives, His disciples came to Him privately and said, Tell us, when will all this happen? What sign will signal your return in the end of the world? Jesus told them, 
Don't let anybody mislead you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But all this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. Then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You'll be hated all over the world because you are my followers. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere. Anybody seen that today? And the love of many will grow cold. Watch this though. But the one who don't quit will win. That's Pastor Sean's translation this morning. But the one who don't quit will win. The one who endures to the end will be saved. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all the nations will hear it. And then the end will come. Listen, we shouldn't think it's strange. When one day, and you know, it's kind of happened that way. In the series of messages the Lord's been dealing with me with, I preached, God has a plan for your life. Then last week, I came back and spun off of that and preached to you. And now this week, I'm telling you, if between the last two Sundays you've had one of those suddenlies where all of a sudden everything was against you, I came to tell you this morning, not quitting is winning. Don't give up. So today you might feel like Paul said, you might feel just burdened beyond measure. You might feel like the pressure is so great. And I know some are facing serious battles. But I want you to know something this morning. You're not fighting alone. I said, you're not fighting alone. We're here to fight with you.